Hi, Jasper. Hi. Gosh, I've known you from before Ella was born. So how old is she now? Six. Ah, yay. <laughs> All right, well, tell me a little bit about the beginning of art for you. When did you first start mm. creating? Well, since I was a kid. Yeah, since I was little, I would draw all the time. I just didn't know what I was going to do with that, but that was one of my sort of like great loves as, as a child was, was just drawing mm. and watching cartoons and reading comics. So those all tied together. And so I just, I would just draw my own comics and my own cartoons on my free time. Like I'll get those composition books and where you draw in the corner and then you turn to like little flip books. I'll do tons of those. Yeah, I wish I still had those today, but I don't <laughs> Do know you remember that. like um, having a favorite comic or a favorite book or anything that comes to mind? I read tons of Marvel and DC comic books growing up. Like a lot of X-Men, I would say. Uh, also, like I read like a lot of manga, like Dragon Ball especially. Mm -hmm. was a huge influence when I was a child. Like I watched lots of Dragon Ball, like over and over again. Yeah, just like way too much. And also anything that was Hanna-Barbera. So anything from the Jetsons to the Flintstones to Scooby-Doo, etc. Like I would engorge myself in watching those cartoons every Saturday. Like Saturday morning cartoons was a thing for me. Like yeah, every like morning you wake up, TV. watch whatever was on. Like I didn't even know what was on. Like you just like whatever they would play, I would just watch it through until they stopped. Mm -hmm. And I think after that they would do like what was that Carol Kai show? Was that right after all the Saturday morning car cartoons? I don't remember. I the do. one that used to do in Alamoana. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Hawaii Stars? Yeah. Yep. I remember that show. <laughs> and then you changed the channel. That was when I would stop <laughs> watching was when she popped up. Was that Saturday? Was that? I don't, I don't remember. I think so. Or, was that, or, they start playing, or they start showing sports. And that's when I would stop mm. watching TV mm. was when that stuff. So I was like, a, you know, I wasn't one of those kids that liked football and stuff. Like, I, I could care less. It was like once football came on, I, could, I didn't want to watch TV anymore. I feel you. So how did your parents like nurture your artistic uh, design and education? They just let me do it. You know, like when I was a kid, if I was, if I just want to sit at home and draw, then they'll just let me do that. It wasn't like, hey, you should also go and play basketball or baseball or go outside. It's like, if I wanted to sit for hours drawing in the corner of the house, then they would let, let me do it. Mm -hmm. um, my mom used to own like a like a frozen meat store in Kalihi mm -hmm. and so she would take me with her to work and I would help her you know pack meat and stuff but then afterwards she would just let me sit in the corner and just draw and watch like Captain Planet or something so that was pretty much all I did was watch cartoons read comics and draw my own versions of them wow. yeah what did you do after high school I went to or, uh, well actually I went to Lewis and Clark College because my high school counselors told me that it was a good school for the arts. But I learned, I quickly learned that it wasn't. Um, and so I transferred myself to an art college in San Francisco. At the time it was called California College of the Arts and Crafts. And then when I was in school, they removed the crafts part of it. So it just became California, California College of the Arts. Mm. Um, and I didn't know at the time that there was art colleges, that art colleges existed, because mm -hmm. uh, I went to Kalani High School. So we had arts classes, but I didn't like have enough guidance. And so I kind of figured out a lot of stuff on my own. Mm -hmm. I saw like what I could do 
if I was if I was a kid interested in art, like what was possible, mm-hmm. and so a lot of that was sort of self learning, like just trying to figure out like what that meant, what you do, like in art college, like what do you major in, like what's possible after you graduate, like what career paths exist for you with that kind of degree. Do you think that people didn't think that being an artist was a possible career path? I think in a lot of ways, like yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of, even to this day, like I talk to kids and they tell me that their parents don't want them to be an artist or to pursue it as a career. It's still seen as a hobby. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel a lot of public schools here in Hawaii like remove it from their curriculum. My daughter's elementary school, uh, there's no art curriculum. They removed it last year. Uh, a lot of high schools are the same. There's a lot of high schools that don't have art or music curriculum at all. Mm-hmm. To me, it's core curriculum. Definitely. Like if we're not like even exercising that part of our brain and there's and we're not providing those opportunities and that curriculum to the kids, then they're missing out. And that applies to everything else, you know. Mm-hmm. And so and people forget like how broad the arts industry is. It's not just like you're painting and then you're selling art in the gallery. It's like you're designing like sets for movies or designing characters for video games or posters or magazine editorial or designing furniture or shoes or fashion all that stuff is like within the arts world mm-hmm. you know like in my art college they have fashion design industrial design graphic design as well as painting illustration as well as glass blowing and sculpture and so it was a wide range mm-hmm. yeah but i think people don't grasp that a lot of times especially parents yeah, they don't really foster that as much. So I was lucky in a way where my mom did that for me. They might have that thought of starving artists in their mind. Yeah, it's that sort of misconception a lot of times. It's like, oh, my kid goes to art school, then they are they're not going to have to t- take care of them for the rest of their lives because mm-hmm. they'll just their career will be a hobby. How did you parlay yeah. it into a career and make it profitable? I think one thing, and I tell a lot of students this too, is that you have to look at like you can't sort of like peg yourself into a specific like career mm-hmm. like you can't you don't have to be just an illustrator or just a graphic designer you can sort of like span a lot of different sort of genres and even like a, a lot of different disciplines mm-hmm. and so for myself I was trying to figure out like what worked for me and if I could figure out a combination of things that could work for me you know like maybe I could still paint and do shows and galleries but I could also do art direction for different brands I could also do graphic design and design logo and branding for other companies and also paint murals and do brand work and do and also like help with like doing shoe like stuff for, sh- for shoe brands um, teach you know like so uh, organize festivals etc so it's like it was trying to like figure out like what worked for me but then always like keeping doors open mm-hmm. and also knowing the value of your own work too where like when someone comes to you like you're able to like negotiate something that works for you in terms of price because now I have like responsibilities like I have two kids and so I just can't do stuff for fun as much as I used to when I was younger where I was like I'm just I know how much it costs for me to sort of survive for a month I need to make this much so I can do this work and I can spend the rest of the time like doing personal work mm-hmm. that, that doesn't that freedom doesn't exist anymore for me like I have to figure out like hey I need to do this work I need to make X amount of dollars a month or a year so I can cover the cost of my children's life, mm-hmm. you know, so it's different. Tell me more about how you parlayed your passion and your career 
into powwow. Okay, yeah. So basically what happened was um, after I graduated from our college, I was trying to figure out like what to do. I graduated with an illustration degree, but I also took like graphic design classes. Mm -hmm. And I had like a lot of experience doing graphic design because I was working for different studios and different companies at the time. So, but then one thing that really bothered me about going to our college is that they never taught us the business side of things. Mm -hmm. Like they taught us like conceptual thinking, technical skills, but I didn't know what to do. And I was really interested in how to get my ideas into physical form. Like if I wanted to make a shoe or a bag or a book or anything for that matter, like what was that process? And so I knew that China was one of the manufacturing capitals of the world and Hong Kong in a lot of ways is a gateway to that because it was British territory for like a hundred years. So it's like English speaking and I can speak Cantonese too. So I could go there and figure it out from Hong Kong. So shortly after graduating, I moved to Hong Kong. And I lived in Hong Kong for about four years. And when I was there, I would cold email, cold call, try to meet different people that like worked in different factories and different sort of, or agents for like different manufacturers. Mm -hmm. So I, I would, I met people that worked on like, you know, Ralph Lauren, um, Coach, um, Steve Madden, all these kind of brands. And I kind of got like, a better idea of like how it worked. Um, but when I was there, I still wanted to show my artwork in galleries because I was doing a lot of that in the Bay Area. In the Bay Area, like at that time, it was like full of artists and I would do like lots of group shows and just exhibitions with friends um, in different galleries all around the Bay. And I like love that because a lot of times being an artist is very solitary. Mm -hmm. And so when you're able to then like show off your work in a public space and then people like it, then it kind of like validates the work that you've been putting into your work, you know, because then a lot of times you're like, oh, maybe only I like it. <laughs> but then when other people like it too, then it's like, oh great, awesome, like other people actually like my work, it's great. And so I wanted to do that, I wanted to continue doing that because I fell in love with, with presenting my work in a public space. And I took my work to different galleries and I kept getting rejected by pretty much like every gallery I took it to. They told me that I was the wrong kind of Chinese. That was kind of like the general sort of response. And what they mean by that is that I wasn't mainland Chinese, like I wasn't from China, I was from America, mm -hmm. I was American Chinese. And at that time, uh, being mainland Chinese art was a hot commodity. Like for collectors, it was like a good investment. You know, it, you, and you also have to think that in Hong Kong is a very like finance-based city, so everything's about money. Like if, so a lot of people would buy work to then hold on to it and hopefully resell it for a profit. As an investment. And it, yeah, kind of like worked like sort of like that wine investment industry, right? You buy wine and you hold on to it, hopefully to like resell it later for a profit. But it kind of like defeats the purpose of wine. Mm -hmm. Like the people that make wine don't make it for that purpose. Right. You know, like people that make art don't make it for that purpose. They want you to enjoy yeah. it and experience yeah. it. Yeah, art, like artists don't create art so that people can invest in it and then resell it for profits. Like that's not the point. Um, so as a reaction to that, I opened my own gallery. So there was this restaurant, this space that was abandoned for about 10 years. And just paint the walls white, put in some doors and windows and you have a gallery. And because it was abandoned for so long, like rent was cheap. So there was more freedom to sort of like do what we wanted because we weren't bound 
by trying to make rent. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're trying to do galleries, like that's really hard. Like in Hawaii, like it's hard to set up galleries because space is expensive. If you're trying to sell work to pay for your rent, it's not, it's gonna be really hard. Mm -hmm. You're you're gonna lead a tough life because the investment that you have to put in and the work that you gotta keep doing, it's like, it's just difficult. Um, So, and this gallery was like on the edge of like the main districts. It's, it was called Sai Ying Poon, so it's on the edge of Sunwan and uh, Central, where all the main galleries were all in, it's really like those areas in Central mainly. And it wasn't in like the most convenient location. It was kind of like up this hill, and there was no train station that went directly to it. There is one now, but back then there wasn't. Mm-hmm. And you, so you had to like take a bus or a text or a, a tram, and you had to like walk up this hill to get to it. So you really had to like want to go to like come to our shows, you know. But the thing that was different was that we were the only ones doing a gallery that was bringing in artists outside of what everyone else was doing. Mm. And we were the only gallery that was supporting a lot of local Hong Kong artists too. So when we did openings, like it was always a full house. And you know that everyone that was there was there because they wanted to be there, that they went out of their way to trek to our gallery to be there. Um, It wasn't just like, oh, there's a gallery opening. I'm going to go there for some free drinks and food. It was like they were there for the art. So that was what was good about it, you know? It wasn't, it was, it was like our little s- personal space. Mm-hmm. And so the very first show that we did in that space was the very first powwow in Hong Kong, that was 2010. And the name came from comic books. So pow, like being a punch in the face, mm-hmm. like when Batman would punch Joker, you know, it's like pow, like the old Adam West cartoons, or t- TV shows. And then wow, what's the reaction to that? What's the reaction that you would have to art? But Pawa Together is a Native American term of a gathering to celebrate their culture and music and arts. So we felt like, oh, and also Pawa used within the, within the English vernacular is a get together. Mm-hmm. So we thought it was perfect because that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together through art. Is there a Chinese word for that? No, not, not, nothing that like sounds good, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I wouldn't say that Chinese is the most beautiful language, I would say. I probably get flack for that, but then I'm Chinese too, so. I'm half, so. <laughs> um, so that was the first one. Yeah, that was the very first one. And yeah. then, did you decide to come home thereafter, or? Yeah. So the idea was the first one came actually the, the very first one that I did in Hong Kong. Krista came. Krista Whitmire came. She came to Hong Kong and she stayed with me mm-hmm. in my apartment. And we kind of like, I took her around Hong Kong and she was there for that very first show in my, in my gallery back then. I remember, I remember all that stuff. And so, and so um, after we did the very first Powell, I wanted to like make it like a traveling show. Mm-hmm. Like I was thought, well maybe, so at that time I was looking at places in Singapore and in Berlin and different cities around the world. I thought that I could just travel it around, but it's hard doing that and finding a venue and then raising money. And so Crystal was like, just take it back home. And I was always really tentative about doing that because I left Hawaii because I felt like there was like, there was support for artists, but like the scene wasn't, you know, like compared to like San Francisco, you know, like there wasn't enough support. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was wondering if people would care about it. Like mm-hmm. if I did a show, like would anyone show up? Would anyone come? Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, so then Krista kind of like took it upon herself to like, hey, you know what, like, let's try to make it happen. I'll help you sort of like make connections and meet different people and see. 
And so I said, okay, let's try at least. Because I was going home every so often anyways to visit family, mm -hmm. you know. And at that time, my girlfriend was here as well. Because I was doing like long distance for like seven, eight years at that point. Wow. With my, with my ex-girlfriend. And so, and so I was like, so I was always going back home whenever I had the opportunity to. So I thought when I get home, then maybe I can sort of like survey the land and see if it was possible. Mm -hmm. And that's when I reconnected with Kamea, um, who I went to high school with. And he was building with his parents um, their house in North Shore. And so then they offered a place to stay for all the artists there. And then I remember that's when we also met Tiff at Fresh Cafe too. Mm -hmm. And then she offered up the back warehouse as a venue. So we thought, okay, if we can connect those things, then, and then, so then we also started reaching out to potential sponsors to hopefully like raise enough money to do it, right? to pay for flights, to pay for materials. Like if we had the venue and the housing, then we still need, we still need to cover the rest of the cost. Do you like how, we're how gonna much do that. that was? Yeah, it was maybe around like, like 12, like around like close to like 12 grand or something. Um, so I took a proposal to like different brands locally. Um, and some people agreed to and then some people then like dropped out of it like last minute. Mm. And then some people just straight up rejected me. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is at that time, people never saw art shows as like a vehicle to promote their brand. It wasn't like worth it for them to put money into because mm -hmm. they would rather do a concert or something else or a project. And so like an art show wasn't something that they didn't see that as like a valid like investment in terms of sponsorship. So what happened was we had like three choices. One, to cancel it all together because we just couldn't find the money. Two, to scale it down or three, just to go for it. So the reason why I remember that number is because I paid for it with my credit card. Yeah. And at that time I was like, I didn't have kids or anything. So it's just like your credit card, you know? So I just- YOLO. Yeah, so I just ended up buying all the flights with my credit card. I you know, bought all the materials, all that stuff, like all the stuff that was necessary. I just paid for it all with my credit card. Um, I don't think I would have been able to do it if I had to pay for the venue and pay for hotels. Mm -hmm. So we made it work, you know, like we didn't, we couldn't like rent vehicles. So then everyone just drove their personal vehicles back and forth between North Shore and town. You know, back and forth, back and forth, driving everyone every day, one hour to and from. It was crazy. How do you feel about how much it's grown now? I don't think we expected it. Yeah, I think we thought we would just do the same show that I did in Hong Kong, and then we did like one mural, and then we thought that murals made sense, and then we kept doing murals around the neighborhood and talking to people and trying to convince property owners and business owners to like sort of give us the opportunity to sort of beautify the neighborhood through public art and we just kept pushing it every year also I think we all loved doing it it was like a passion project mm -hmm. that like took up way too much of our time but it was a passion project because none of us paid ourselves mm -hmm. you know like I was paying to make it happen like there was there was no way that I was like making money through those things and plus all the events were free and now all the it's all like public art so it's like no one's charging tickets mm -hmm. for the same mural so I so we just kind of did it every year and it just kept growing. And then it started spreading across the world. Like now we work out of like 15 cities. After this year, it'll be like 17. 
so I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think we ever, none of us ever expected it to grow this way. Yeah, and now we're just trying to keep it moving, keep it alive, you know, and it still kind of like works the same way in a lot of ways, you know. It's still a passion project because we're still not really like making money through it. Mm. But mm. now we have sponsors, mm -hmm. so it helps to cover a lot of the cost. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it took <laughs> years. It's, it's just a way that you document everything and you collect data and then how you present it. And you did, we learned that along the way. It was mm -hmm. like a steep learning curve. But now it's like, and there's some cities like that we do projects in that the local government covers the whole cost of it, everything. So those are great. Hawaii are doesn't do that, but you know. What are your goals moving forward for Palau and just for your career and? Um, for Powell, like we're kind of like, you know, our goal was to sort of like spread it around the world and it's like doing that now. Mm -hmm. uh, so in a lot of ways, like really like one big goal for us at Powell is to like try to find a way to make it more sustainable. Because right now it's really reliant on our ability to raise money. It's really reliant on everyone's ability around the world to like sort of raise money for these projects. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do we do it where we don't have to do that? where like power can pay for itself mm -hmm. and that's been a difficult thing because it's a community project it's a public art project it's a community beautification project it's like we provide like free education like classes to kids and everything so we haven't gotten there and also i want to be able to pay the team to do the work because right now like everyone volunteers their time it's like mm -hmm. an organization like really supported by a bunch of volunteers including ourselves and so and so because we're all volunteers, Powwow is always going to be secondary to like the work that we need to do to like make money for our, our living. Mm -hmm. And so then it's like, well, it would be great if Powwow could make enough money to pay everyone so that they could dedicate their th themselves more to it time-wise. And they have the freedom to also do it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's always been a strain on us because we're all trying to like work and take care of our families, but also do this crazy passion project that like takes up a ton of our time and I kind of like oversee like a lot of the ones globally too mm. um, the guys help too but the majority of them like I'm talking to all of them like all the time about like I'm having meetings all the time with like everyone all over the world mm. sort of like plan projects and so that takes up a lot of time too and it's a matter of like how do we you know we're like instead of me like staying up to like 3 a.m. like working on stuff like and then like really you know, getting paid for it, you know, how do we then be able to take care of everyone financially? Yeah. And if we can, then it'll make it easier on everyone. But, or we can hire people that can help take care of some of those things. Like right now, like I spend a lot of time doing the website, especially like our new website. Like it's like 10 years of backlog data that I need to put in there. And we tried hiring people, but I still end up doing the majority of the work. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, how can I hire like someone that can do the work, you know, where it's like not me doing it. And also do all the social media and everything like that too. So it's like a lot of time and effort. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, where can people see your work year round? Because I see you popping up all over the place. But if you can just rattle off. Like. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I, I did a murals. Well, I've done like tons of murals for Uniqlo. Um, and I, I set up a, a collection, like a Hawaii exclusive collection for them too. For their UT line, for their shirt line. So there's stuff there. Now, if you go to UT, if you go to Uniqlo now in Hawaii, then you'll find all that stuff there. Um, in Bloomingdale's, I did their like sort of like bottom floor entryway mm -hmm. where their elevators are, and then we're going to be releasing some product uh, around that design as well. Um, 
there is right now like a Lexus that's like has my work on it that mm -hmm. can be seen at the dealership and it'll be at different car shows that they want to put it in. Um, unfortunately, you can't buy that particular vehicle, but it was just, it's like display only. <laughs> um, where else can you go see it? Zippies. Zippies, yeah. There's the Zippies cups and then there's some like, yeah, the bowls and then there's like two, like the uh, cup of hula one and I think the cup of one has, the, it's like a wallpaper mm. of the design. Um, there's some murals, like I have some murals around here and there. Uh, there's one at Workplay, which is like a bar in, Ka in Kakako on Ilaniwai Street. And am I missing anything? I don't know. Some, yeah, I have a bunch of stuff in Hawaii now. Oh, yeah. I'll be, and then I'll be doing more stuff too. Like there's some stuff coming up that I'm working on. So hopefully those all come together and you see more stuff in different ways. Like there's a really fun project that I'm working on. Hopefully it comes together, but I didn't sign an NDA so I can probably talk about it. But yeah, I'm working on some stuff with uh, Wet n Wild. Oh, okay. So that'd be oh, fun. Cool. Yeah, that, that should be interesting because it's like kind of like a fun project that I've always been interested in doing. So we'll see. Yeah. Awesome. Um, how would you want to encourage people to support you or support what you're doing? Uh, so, you know, with Powwow, it's like just come to our events, you know, people that like buy our merch and stuff like that, like that money goes back in to mm -hmm. the festival. Um, you know, like follow us on Instagram or on social media in general, like all that kind of stuff helps, you know, subscribe to us on YouTube because the barrier of entry for YouTube now is so high that we could use more subscribers because you can't even like get monetized until you have like a thousand. And it doesn't even like, YouTube's weird in a way where like you don't need to subscribe to enjoy the content. So there's no like point in subscribing unless you want to help the channel like survive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a weird structure now with YouTube. Yeah, make sense. I know, I made some big changes. Yeah, it's something because of that dude. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, thank you, Jasper, for your time. <laughs> oh, yeah, no problem. It's been so nice to see you grow and oh, thanks. everything. Oh, same likewise with you. Yay.